Hi, Gibby. Hi, you are listening to Gibby's Guide, the podcast, a very occasional audio version to accompany the regular VR zine published on gibbysguide.org. It's a real pleasure this time round to talk with Estonian developer Alexei Shulga, the brains behind the outstanding single-player survival shooter Into the Radius, the current number one game for the standalone Quest 2 in my guide to the best 100 titles. Radius is about you go somewhere where it's dangerous, where it's unexplored, and you explore and bring something back. So basically, maybe I could link it back to childhood in that way. Stop. Authorized personnel only. Raise your hands above your head for identification. Greetings, Explorer. This message is to remind you that you are the UNPSC field officer aiding our research of the Pechorsk Radius Anomaly. Congratulations on your contract extension. Your security level has been reset to zero due to long-term absence. Please proceed to your room and continue the missions. We are hoping for complete cooperation. I was born in Estonia, but not in Tallinn. Grew up in a small city. Like, I don't know, 10,000 or less. Basically, I had not so very like special childhood. The Soviet Union collapsed when I was like three years old or something. So my parents had to shift their jobs, change, and a lot like it was an industrial region and like Overall, people left who lived there didn't like leave. Like, there's not a lot of rich guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't tell that we were like poor and like malnutritioned or something. It's just like, yeah, not 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 <laughs> swimming in like riches or something. With the uh, Soviet Union crumbling, there is lots of industry there. Mm-hmm. And those industries were crumbling too. So there were like those deserted factories that we used to like go and explore and see. And basically that's one of the themes like in those stalker games and the roadside picnic, like this dessert, like the world that once was like great. I'm not saying that Soviet Union was great, but for from the child perspective, you see that there were some like big machines here and now it's just destroyed, basically stolen or like torn apart or something. That's one of the themes that's still present in the radius. And the other one that is kind of influenced me was the Second World War. Um, there, like the place where I grew up, there were very intensive uh, fighting during the World War II. Mm-hmm. 
There were lots of like casualties there, Soviet, like German, Estonian. And basically we used to go just to, to the forest and search for like bombs or something, some remnants, mm-hmm. like echoes of war. And there was always some like, I don't know, always go somebody going out, finding something and like being blown to pieces. Not like my friends, but you could hear those stories maybe once in a year or something. So, but turning back to the conscription, mm, yeah, it's mandatory and you either take eight months or 11 months, depending on your luck, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got 11 months service and it's quite an interesting time because basically what you think about the army and how it actually works is that two different things like you find out that you are actually stronger than you think Mm-hmm. Like you can endure much more and some things like don't actually matter that much. Such as? What else? Like sometimes like those little comfort things that you take for granted. Uh, they're actually not that important. Like, oh, well, de- depends on the situation, of course. But you can can live without some heating, can live without that and this. You can actually sleep like three hours through the week and you won't <laughs> die. <laughs> of course, like you, it depends on what uh, you need to do after that whole week, but you can do that. Right. At least you, you could in like 20 years <laughs> when you're 20 years old or something along those lines. When you're older, of course, it's like tougher. Yeah. It taught you about survival. It must have informed the, the, the game. It basically taught more like about the firearms, like right. the logic of like how you, because like we wanted from this, uh, even I think even before the army, I was doing airsoft. Yeah. And uh, that's like a paintball type thing without the paint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weapons are more like realistically looking mm. and those kind of things. And actually, I think the starter core team, everybody played Airsoft at some point. Right. So it was kind of this, I think Airsoft more <laughs> informed the game than actual army uh, experience and the army just, uh, yeah, I could just provide more you know, more context for some. We had this uh, training and uh, we're split in like two groups and one group was defending somewhere there and we were just uh, taking a detour to attack their, their attackers in the flank. And it was like, I don't know, knee deep snow in the forest it was literally like excruciating to go like 
to move fast. Right. And like you know, it's the train. Oh, you know, like it's like ah fuck it. Like man, why should I do this? And but you hear the gunshots that are like there, the machine gun firing, and like no blanks, of course. But and then you think like oh, if we it was a real situation if those guys were really under fire like if my friends there were really under fire how would i actually react and this kind of the thinking the experience of course like we couldn't translate it to the game but maybe maybe we try <laughs> We tried to do it that you go in the forest, you hear that there are somebody walking yeah. there and you try and maybe uh, do this tactic like uh, you walk for a couple of meters, you stand and you listen like the like actually done in the army, like when they move, yeah, they move for some time, then they stand for a couple of seconds, listen their surroundings, then they continue movement if nothing alerts them. Or actually we had this uh, thing in the beginning of the development is that our mimics, they shoot at the last location the player was known. So they kind of lay suppressive fire mm -hmm. there for some time and we had lots of people complaining that oh they wall hack and basically uh, i go out of cover and re immediately receive the bullet or like yeah they're cheating they're like <laughs> but basically what's happening is that those mimics they are just shooting at the same corner and you just picking out you just receive the bullet that was already flying at yeah. that direction yeah what like people don't realize is that they just need to pick another corner. <laughs> yeah, like the realistic, like uh, like they teach you in the army is that you need to change position. You yeah. like shoot from one position, you move to another if you want to leave. And everybody wants to leave, <laughs> at least like they should. Like from the get go, uh, I understood that we couldn't like have those indicators like in flat games, like for example, when somebody throws a grenade at you, like we don't have grenades, but in, uh, like there is some flashing 
that's or an arrow that is in your screen space that shows you, oh, there is a grenade or somebody like they put some visual cues around everything. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't do that because we were thinking like it would ruin your immersion. It's not great to do that. So the only avenue for that is down. So we just made a rule that basically everything that can harm a player makes a sound. Like we're trying to warn the player, give him like a long cue before, like maybe it's subtle, subtle, but if you know it, you can like know in advance if you missed that. Well, okay, you will get the unmissable one, but like really short notice. This kind of thing. It's not 100% true, but we at least like we were thinking about it when we approached stuff. Maybe we missed it here and there. But yeah, that was our general wish how it should work. Right. But outside that, you, you create a kind of psychological horror with these disembodied voices, right? That's the theme of the, because it's an anomalous zone, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And we actually like, <laughs> we weren't making a horror game. <laughs> like I, I actually, like myself, I detest horror, like pure horror, because I don't play any like, or watch like, I don't know, slasher movies or like, like those, uh, I don't know the killers that the stall can like uh, i hate that shit yeah like i don't know the texas chainsaw massacre right. those kind of things uh it just was like a bit of surprise for me that like oh it's so scary man like i can't handle it it's just so scary I'm like wait a minute i like i wasn't making it scary <laughs> per se but like yeah whatever you say man uh so we it wasn't actually our focus it just turned out to be that the medium itself like you get immersed that's the one thing that other thing is that we put a lot of uh, pressure on the player because of this uh as i call it the mental load uh, you need to be aware of your surroundings, of your ammo, of anything. It's not very complex, but it, it's demanding if you don't have the right mindset, uh, training the skills for it. Yeah. So it's just when you, you first time, like under fire, you try to push a mag inside the mag well, like it overwhelms the average uh, like player. Yeah. Even if he was like, I don't know, spent thousands hours of Call of Duty because he was m moving only his fingers and now he's required to move his hands with a totally different yeah. uh, 
skill set. And like if you add uh, something like, I don't know, some weird voice, it's already a horror. Yeah. <laughs> like even if there was no voices, nothing, I think people will still consider the game scary because of that mental load, the pressure. Yeah. And actually, I think the most people nowadays, they, they for, like, I don't know how to say it. Maybe they don't remember or haven't experienced actually the true horror, the fear. They forgot how it feels. Mm. And maybe when it's something complex, they become anxious and they like, report that anxiety is actually horror as fear maybe well, it works like that i don't know i wonder whether you considered that when you got the sort of balance of the game because half of the gameplay is actually calm and back at the base and preparation and buying and selling and thing planning your mission so the actual action combat fear anxiety is only part of the gameplay well it's it's kind of a natural thing like because when it's pure basically once inside you're inside the radius you need to be constantly aware like for anomalies for everything so your anxiety and the longer like in the battle royale scenario the longer you are there the more you are uh you have to lose and the more adrenaline adrenaline you have mm -hmm. uh, but it was a bit over the top for most people and mm, kind of we went back to the like our classic stalker inspiration on those kind of games and saw that actually the trading the the looting part and uh, they are actually relaxation thing that people can do and we just allow them to do that as long as they want and so the players can are kind of in control of their pacing that way yeah because lots of people love to organize their base and they put everything i just like Slap everything and back to rapes. <laughs> <laughs> you clean your guns though, right? Yeah. Like uh, sometimes, and sometimes I just so, uh, put them in the box. Like I know some people, they just like shoot a couple of rounds, take a ramrod and like, ch -ch -ch. it's yeah. right here and there. Yeah. I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> Guns, they are just like something about that pure functionality that's inside them, like how they work and like it's a, it's basically a tool and a tool has some properties and like how it looks, how it produces mm. and like it's just in, embedded in the tool's design. Sure. So I just ca kind of find it interesting from that perspective. The Dali-esque train carriages floating in the air, the the kind of surrealist nature of the visuals. Where where did where did that come from? Well, 
for me, it's still not actually the way that I wanted it to be. Mm. I wanted it to be much more surreal, but uh, currently it's the way it is. We maybe will improve it, maybe not. We'll see. But it comes from the roadside picnic. Uh, have you read that? I haven't or... read it, but I've seen it referenced often, yeah. Yeah, but basically there is no uh, like direct, direct copy or borrowing from it in terms of like locations. Mm. That there is no floating things in, described in there. But what's the difference between the roadside picnic zone and the stalker franchise zone is that in roadside picnic it's just like it's beyond human comprehension it's basically the radius for me it's kind of this godlike it can do whatever it can like it, it can do anything like for us mere mortals it's like it's the strugatsky's quote is, is that if uh, the tech is so advanced it like you don't know how it works you think it's magic or something along those lines yeah okay so basically it looks like magic <laughs> to us because like it's so advanced and i wanted to do this sense of like you getting to some weird place something out of place something out of time where everything like anything can happen and one of those like visual languages is just like destroying things, making them float because like you don't see that a lot in reality. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of one of the easiest uh, low hanging fr visual fruits for us. Right. But, uh, I wanted to get like more of that, like more really like more weird stuff. Well, it's actually a very interesting experience for me as doing the game, as actually like talking to people. I don't do that too much now, but like in the starter days, like when people would actually write me on Discord and in the email and they were telling like, hey man, I just like love your game. I you know i was even depressed but now i'm just better or something like along those lines and it was like a huge surprise for me that wow. the games actually matter in people's lives and after the covid after, like especially now in these like shit times in like war in ukraine and mm. all that bad things that happen in the world like people just need a place to get their freaking rest yeah <laughs> they just need some time to escape to offload to think about something else that just to reset their batteries and like if you don't rest great uh, then you can't fix the world basically so i was thinking about that it's actually it actually makes a difference <laughs> it, in, in some strange way yeah oh, because people think oh games are just like games 
you just take people like I don't know, money from people and like ah, get rich of their weaknesses or something. People talk of into the radius is relaxation. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because of demanding like horror like game and people oh I feel so relaxed after like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after a session, yeah. It's an open secret that there's a sequel coming. Um if you can't yeah. tell us what it's gonna be, can you tell us what it's not gonna be? So basically, the sequel is uh, very, very early. So it's just uh, we're thinking about it. We're like thinking like what team we would need, what budget we would need. Like it's like pre-pre-production. Yeah. Like it's not going to deviate profoundly from the first game. Okay. We are going to make it better we hope much better <laughs> but how better it's for you to find out in a couple of years time Many thanks to Alexei. Into the Radius is available on the official store, priced $30. The original soundtrack is now available on all the usual platforms. If you haven't already, you can pick up the guide for free at gibbysguide.org where you'll find a link to the latest issue and all the archived developer interviews. Thank you.